great to be here again. Thank you ever so much for the welcome. Uh, we always feel it here. Um, what's actually quite shocking is we haven't actually been here in person for over four years. And look, you haven't aged at all, none of you. Uh, or was that what you say I have or I haven't? Oh, thank you. That's all right then. <laughs> I thought, gosh, I must be looking haggard this morning. Um, so, uh, yeah, a lot's gone on, hasn't it, in that time? Lots gone on for you, lots gone on happened for us. Uh, in actual fact, we've had some major changes in our life. Um, finally been released of all responsibility for leadership, which we'd had previously up till now. And then what's well, a little bit of surprise during that COVID time was we felt God speaking to us about a relocation. And so we've moved from the place that we've been for 40 years, uh, which is Derby, and uh, we've actually relocated to Worcester, which is an hour and a half nearer to Exeter or Exmouth or Hadley, yeah. And um, so actually it is, it makes quite a difference, to be honest, to get for us to feeling like, oh, it's a bit more accessible. So we've moved there to be uh, near to our family, but also part of a church, which is also part of Synergy. And uh, that's been a huge change for us. And, uh, and it, change takes time, doesn't it, folks? And uh, so... Uh, so that's been, that's been, but it's been, uh, we feel like God's bringing us into new seasons. It's interesting, is it Iska's going into a new a season on preaching, new beginnings, that sort of thing? I just do believe there's a lot of that around at the moment. God is bringing some new things. Um, so that's it. Thank you. So appreciate the welcome and so on here. Um, I've decided to, uh, to, my message for this morning, um, can you put the one up, is called A Church for Our Times. Um so let me just go back a little bit. 45 years ago, roughly, 45 years ago, Nestor and I, um, we were newlyweds. We kind of, well, we married a couple of years. We've got one baby. And um, we were approached by a couple of church leaders and senior leaders within our network who would just said to us, would you be prepared to consider and pray about a move from where we lived at the time in Oxfordshire to move up to the East Midlands to take on leadership for a fledgling small church which had just been formed and we responded by just saying yes <laughs> and so that's actually been from that point on our journey has been a commitment and a devotion to the church and I'm not the only one here because there's many others of you here but over these last decades have been devoted to the church and these days, I want to just say, like, like the, the church has got its problems, had its problems. It's got its blemishes. Um, we've all had some ups and downs. Anybody want to say just amen to that, you know, along the way? But I want to tell you that Jesus still loves his church, okay? And so do I. And sometimes you think, oh, do I still love the church? And yeah, But actually, the church still is all that it was ever called to be. It's the bride of Christ. It's the body of Christ. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are called to be the church. And so these are days in which we're trying to go, okay, how do we be church in these times that we live in? But the point really is, is that God still loves his church. Um, some things I've found over the years, of course, because over those 40 odd years, things have changed. And some things I've realized about church are seasonal meaning they're only here for the season that we're in and some things are eternal they're kind of going to be there wherever we are in ever whatever context whatever culture uh, whatever decade 
it's always going to be there. So the seasonal things come and go. Uh, there was a season of having overhead projectors. Does anybody remember overhead projectors? I lived through a season of overhead projectors. When, if, if anybody doesn't remember those, it's where somebody would sit down here beside us and flick through. If somebody started a song, be going like, oh, alphabetical, order, you know, and try to whip it out before the song had actually finished. And, uh, and, and we had some very entertaining times with that. Occasionally, the overhead, you know, a draft would catch it and the acetate would move around and we'd all sing like this, you know. And then, of course, we'd love the moment when they kind of flipped it out and they got it upside down and inside out and it was gobbledygook and we all sang in tongues for a while, you know. I mean, the, praise God, the season of overhead projectors has come and it's gone. And many things like that, they're going to come and they're going to go because they're part of kind of the culture that we live in at the time. Um, but there are some things which are eternal. Baptism is eternal. <laughs> Communion, breaking of bread is eternal. Worship is eternal. Gather around the word. Community, these things are eternal. Whatever the culture, whatever the season, those things are going to be what actually is the heart and essence of the church. So this morning, I just want to touch on a few things just to say this is what I believe and what God wants to sort of encourage us with for being the church today. So I'm going to turn to... Um, well, I'm going to read from 1 Peter 4. Now, I'm not sure you're going to be able to read this. Has anybody got binoculars this morning? Because, uh, so I'll, 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 I'll read it through, and if you can follow, that's fine, or if you've got your own version, that's fine as well. I'm going to read from uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. To a people, by the way, he's writing to people who feel like we're kind of like in an alien culture ourselves. We're sort of like hanging on a bit in our own different settings, and we feel like we're living in an alien world. And Peter's encouragement is, hey, stay the people of God. Stay being the people of God, who you are. And so I'm going to read from verse 4. As you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. And to you who believe, this stone is precious. But to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall, they stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you, just love this, but you, this is us folks, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him, who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Shall I finish there? Amen. I just think that's just a wonderful and just such an uplifting kind of sense. God's God, this is who I've called you to be. This is who you are. This is what the church is all about. And I want to just say that in all of our journey, um, we were born into something called the charismatic movement, which was actually about the Holy Spirit being poured out. 
which is an essential part of what I believe is God has been doing and is still doing. But we also at the same time discovered that the church was not a building. The church was not an institution. The church was a people. Hello. That's a community. Okay. So the church as community, that's a revelation. And I think these revelations almost we need to keep having them again and again. Yeah, God, you called us to be primarily community, a people together. And these kind of this kind of people. So I wanted to say, what kind of community has God called us to be in these days? Uh, I've just got a few things to say, really, I think. There could be many more that I'm sure some of you would, would be able to add into this. I just want to say a few things here. The first is this. I believe God's called us to be authentic community. That is the real deal. That's like genuine. <laughs> See, I, I actually believe that the world doesn't need any more religion. It, <laughs> it doesn't need more people trying to tell us, if you like, how to put things on on the outside. Religion basically, effectively says, if you do these things on the outside, it doesn't so matter. God has he's called us to be an authentic people. The word integrity, which is an authentic word, if you like, means you can cut me anywhere through and you'll get the same thing. Being this kind of people. And I want to say that sometimes religion, even modern day religion, can force you to try to be who you're not can try to put a, like, a false smile on your face when you don't really want to do it. And I want to say, I believe God's called us to be authentic. That is, we are real people. There's some attempts these days to be, um, to, to, to like, to, to multiply um, a Mark Mumford through artificial intelligence. Okay? I think that might be a wonderful thing, personally, but I'm not... I'm not sure even, like, I'm not sure even Nestor would agree with that one, actually. She says, one is enough. Thank you very much, you know. But actually, you know, even the clues in the word, artificial intelligence. Actually, God is interested in authenticity. The real deal. What real people? Real people. The church is about real people. <laughs> with all that comes with real people. See, Jesus didn't come to, to save some robots, you know. Uh, do you ever get tired of talking to bots on, on, um, online and things like that? You're kind of like, when am I going to talk to a real person, an authentic person? Well, God's calling his church. He wants us to be real people. That means, that means genuine in all that. It means we, we come as who we are. And God just loves it that we are all different. He loves the diversity of that, and, 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 uh, and, and I do as well, and I love it. But with diversity comes, then we've got differences. And so the real deal means we have to deal with differences. The real, the, the authenticity means that that's, that's what we've got to deal with, that we have real relationships, not just passing ones. Church is not about meeting on a Sunday. When I was actually in my growing up years, I was a Methodist church, and I thought certain things, I thought fellowship was tea and biscuits at the end of the service. That's actually what it meant, you see? Because actually that's the only time that you would encounter people. You'd meet them in the church service and then you'd have fellowship. I'm like, I'm like, let's have real relationships. Fellowship is a rich thing of lives being shared together. And I think being authentic means we make real mistakes. Hello. <laughs> yeah, you're getting, you're getting conviction right now, aren't you? Right? I can feel it coming on you. <laughs> Sorry, Richard. 
but with I believe is also a real genuine spirituality see that this is about relationship with God that we are the real deal we're not just people playing games going through the motions the world needs an authentic lived out community who are a chosen people a royal priesthood a people set apart who've got a relationship with God I think Jesus went around every now and again he went like you're the real deal you're the real deal and do you know what they were they were people who were just being themselves they weren't the ones he, took, he picked on a widow who put in the tiniest amount of money into an offering and he went she's the real deal he had a centurion come up to him and he said listen I know about authority because I can see it and Jesus went you're the real deal I've not seen faith like that anywhere but he said to the Pharisees and so on, you are not the real deal. You're putting things on the outside. <laughs> and yet on the inside, these things aren't right. So God wants people, us to be like, folks, let's not try to pretend to be something. Let's just be genuine. Let's be the real deal. That means that in our relationship and walk with God, it is the real deal. I'm actually walking with Jesus. Not just coming from meeting to meeting, but it's a relationship that affects my life and my behavior. It means 24-7, we are the real deal. Your neighbors, your work colleagues, and so on, they know it and they see it because there's a integrity and authenticity about this. Uh, I, I'll tell you a, a quick story to, to Nesta's embarrassment. She can't, she won't tell this, but I think I can. Um, but because to me, this is about being who we are, wherever we are, whenever we are, okay? So just a few weeks ago, Nesta was in Tesco's and she was coming up to the cash desk and there was a queue building up behind her and there was a lady in front of her she was an elderly lady and she was actually in a wheelchair but she was on her own and what was happening was she was actually taking an absolute age to get all her stuff through taking she's so so slow so people were building up behind and there's a chap behind Nestor who's getting really quite muttering away and getting angry and, and things but what made it extra extra worse then was that as the lady finally packed her stuff away and she went to pay with her card her card wouldn't pay and she just kept trying and trying and she put it in she couldn't remember her number she couldn't, you know all this thing over and you could feel the atmosphere was getting more and more agitated and frustrated and whatever and Nesta just leant across and she said to the cash the girl on the cash desk she said how much is her bill and the, the girl said, 19 pounds. And so Nesta said, I'll pay it. And she went, what? She said, no, no, let me pay that. And Nesta then went round to the old lady. And she said, look, look, I'm paying your bill. Off you go. She said, oh, you can't do that. You can't do that. And uh, Nesta said, no, take it as a gift from, from me today. Oh, off you go. Off, you know, off you go. So in that moment, the atmosphere changed from hostile and aggressive where the old lady is in tears and can't believe this the cashier girl is in tears the guy behind has suddenly gone all emotional whatever and what for my mind what's happened in that little moment it turned from something quite unpleasant into a touch from heaven coming into tesco's for just a little moment <laughs> tesco need me and i just believe well every little helps i think but uh <laughs> <laughs> but I just believe that there's something in how we live our lives 
that gives us an authenticity. That means this is who we are. This is what we're like. Why do we do that? We do that because we have a savior who has given us grace upon grace. And so then what do we do? We show something of that grace. Um, I, I think I can say this. I can say this, that you have had leaders over decades, I believe, who are the real deal. You've got, dec- you've got leaders today. I know the leaders of Hadley and of, and of Exmouth and of Isca. And I go like, folks, you need to be just like, we've got the real deal. They are real. They are genuine. They are honest. And I believe that's really such an important thing that we can say, God, because I love that, because it's the real thing. You're being genuine and interesting. So that's the first one I wanted to talk about. The first one is about being an authentic community. I just believe people today coming into any sort of community, they suss where it's artificial. They suss where it's just false. They want the real thing. People want the real thing. The second is, uh, and you'll notice my clever use of the uh, letter A at the beginning of all of my things. I actually... Just, I just want you to be encouraged. I did actually get eight different points, oh, and I whittled them down. Don't worry. But this, this adaptable, adaptable, okay, adaptable community. Um, you see, I think this, that the church has to be adapting and adaptable to its culture and its community around us. Now, some people get a little bit nervous at this point, and they go, ooh, are we not supposed to be culturally kind of like affected by the culture around us and i'm saying if you don't uh, respond in some ways to the culture around you we, we could easily do that we could just go like look we're going to just stop where we are we're going to kind of not change from what we are because we like what we are and we're just going to stay put some people have done that the mennonites and the uh, the amish people have done that they've gone like we're going to stop at this point and we're not going to engage in the culture around us you see, but what's the nervousness is like, yeah, but we're not supposed to sort of just merge in with culture. Of course, Jesus spoke about this. He said, look, there is wine and there are wine skins. The wine is the real deal. <laughs> the wine is the things that are eternal. The wine is that does not change. That's the gospel. That's the gospel of the kingdom, you know. But your wine skins must be flexible. They must be adaptable. They've got to fit around. Now, that's to do with styles, and it's to do with shapes, and it's to do with overhead projectors, or it's to do with all kinds of things. But if we're going to sit here and go, like, oh, we're just not going to adapt, we're not going to change, then I believe that the church will end up being more and more disconnected. And so we are definitely called to be a called-out people, but we're also called to be a people who are in the world. Part of that. Some of you look a bit nervous at the moment with me, but I'm actually feeling like I can say this because I'm going to leave later on. But uh, <laughs> but I, I actually am quite sort of keen on this because I, I think, you see, in the commercial world, it's been absolutely the case. It's quite brutal, really. Adapt or die. That's what's that's gone on. Who can remember Nokia? What happened to Nokia? Huge world leader. Oof, doesn't exist. Kodak. And it was Kodak, the world's absolute like leader in cameras, doesn't exist today. Had the technology, but just didn't have the bravery or the creativity to go with it. It's died. Blockbuster. On every corner, whatever, you know, where are they today? Gone. But I, did, I don't know if you know this, but in about 2002, Blockbuster, which was huge at the time, couldn't see 
that um, enough, if you like, or wasn't brave enough to see that the age of videos was coming to an end and had the opportunity to buy a fledgling new company for a bargain price, and that company was called Netflix. Blockbuster, though, just gradually just disappeared. So I'm just saying, that's, that's the commercial world. That's out there, isn't it? As a church, I do believe that there's something about being, uh, being flexible in our wineskins. And I have to say, some things about change are never comfortable, especially if we've been used to things for a certain way in a certain time. My appeal to us is like, let's just allow God and allow some, some opportunities, if you like, to have a little bit more flexibility in our wineskins. Because these days, I think if we're rigid and fixed, we're going to find ourselves more and more disconnected from the world around us. Some of those changes might be simple and small. Um, our eldest daughter, she's called Rachel, she lives in Japan. And she and her husband actually lead a church in Japan and have done for quite a long time. Um, a little while ago, they were just sort of leading their church and trying to find ways forward. Um, and their church met at the God-ordained time of 10.30 on a Sunday morning. As it is in heaven, of course. <laughs> This is the time. This is when we all meet. This is when the whole world has to meet at 10.30 on a Sunday morning, you see. So they met at 10.30 on a Sunday morning in Japan. What they were finding was that the world in Japan, the culture, meant that the way weekends were, the way that work culture and all the rest of it, was that it was just a really bad time. And so they decided to, uh, they, they prayed about it a lot, and they just felt like what we'll do is we'll move our meeting from su Sunday morning 10.30 to Saturday afternoon, five o'clock. Can you think of anything worse? I mean, football results. I mean, can you just think? I just can't think of anything worse. Five o'clock on a Saturday. But they kind of went, look, this is the world that we live in. This is our culture. And as they moved it from Sunday morning to Saturday afternoon, it opened up a whole lot more people who were able to come and be part of the church in a whole different way. A small move. But do you think that change was easy? Hello? <laughs> Come on. I mean, some of, we've got history, some of us, you know, where I you know, belong to a church where if you move some chairs, they kind of got upset and, uh, <laughs> and let alone put up a screen and do overhead projectors or what, whatever. But I believe that that's something about being open to God to say, God, if you need to do something different with us in these days, we're going to have hearts that are open to it. Even if... I'm not going to feel that comfortable with it. And that's often the case with change. But I believe God wants us to be an adaptable people. You know, we love this wine. We love the wine. So let's have good wineskins. Because what, what Jesus went on to say was, if your wineskins aren't right, you lose the wineskin and the wine. There's something quite strong about that. Guys, we, we need to say that we so believe in this gospel. We so believe in this, that we want to be flexible and adaptable in it my next one is an anointed community do you like the other eight i think it's going to come come in well isn't it um i loved oh, do you know i just think this is so important i love this because the, that, that the passage we read said once you were not a people doesn't just say but now you are a people 
doesn't say now you once you're a community now you're a, a community no once you are not people now you are the people of god you are the people of god this has been like throughout the whole history of the people of god from the very beginning when god says i'm going to begin my redemptive plan to restore all the creation back to me and he said i'm not going to just do it from a distance calling down to you instructions he says i'll come and be with you hello he said i'm going to be with you from abraham to moses when he said to moses like moses i'm calling you moses said, how will you know he said just say i'm going to be with you and if you remember moses then said your presence lord is so important to us because he said who what what else is going to mark us out from any other community from any other people god said my presence marks you out my anointing right so and from then on it was like if your presence doesn't go if your anointing isn't around look where we want to go because we're not called just to be a people we're called to be the people of god and that ran right through scripture until we come to jesus who is god emmanuel god with us god with us and even when jesus arose ascended he said and by the way i'm going to be with you always to the very end of time by my spirit and this has actually become um I think Rich mentioned earlier, just like being refreshed sometimes in some of the things we know and believe. Uh, now, I, I had, I can only describe it like as a holy moment, uh, an encounter, if you like, with God uh, just a few weeks ago. And it took me by surprise, as sometimes these do. Some of you know what I mean. You just Sometimes you just have a moment where God just touches your heart and your life. And what happened was I, um, believe it or not, I was in a trustees meeting. There's the time to meet with God. We just <laughs> uh, honestly, I was on a Zoom trustees meeting, and the person leading said, instead of like praying together, I just want to play you this song. So she started to the lady. She started just to put this song on, and it was a video of a song that I'd never heard before. And as this song started to play, I just felt, my goodness, this is touching me so deeply inside in, somewhere inside um that by the time the song had finished even though i didn't know it as a song i was actually literally in tears you know i was like sobbing and this is really embarrassing in a trustees meeting because it's like you know have to sort of kind of pull yourself together but the song is called your labor is not in vain if anybody knows the song i just I, i'll recommend it totally anyway anyway but but the point really is, is that as you sort of, uh, the, 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 the phrase just got me, it captured me. And I was like, your, your labor is not in vain. I wonder how many of God's people today need to be told your labor is not in vain. Because sometimes it feels tough. Sometimes it feels hard. It feels like we're not feeling like we're making progress. And this was like a, a sound that came from God himself. And he's going like, your labor is not in vain. And it's like the song said, the ground sometimes can be hard. And sometimes you can sow and not even feel like you're reaping. But listen, he said, your labor is not in vain. Why? And the refrain goes, for I am with you. For I am with you. <laughs> it went from a general truth that I believed in to an absolute personal moment where I'm going, he's with me. 
God says he's with me. And he wants to say that to people here today. He wants to say that to you. Like it isn't just a big truth. When Jesus says, I am with you, it doesn't mean like I'm just looking out for you. I am with you. And as you go through scripture, you realize again and again, you go, actually, that means I'm with you in your confusion. I'm in you in your moments where you can't see the, the fruit for what you're doing. Because as the song rolls on, it goes, but actually, here's what happens. Others will reap where you've sown. And the house that you've been building will be filled with laughter and joy. The house of the Lord will be wine because I am with you. You're not just a people. You're the people of God. You're not just a people who just kind of, but it's the people of God's presence. And I just um, felt like what happened for me personally was like God took this, if you like, truth that I've always believed and, and made it just so personal and relevant to me. But I believe he wants to do that for individuals here today and for you as churches. He wants to say to you, but I am with you. I am with you. And uh, what a wonderful eternal promise that is, isn't it? The um, idea of anointing is something poured out onto you. It's not like it's the idea, is it something poured out? So every time somebody new was, uh, was made a priest or a king, they were anointed. Okay? And so when you're sort of given a role with the gather movement, you're anointed for a new role, etc. Um, and I think that's actually just, just true as well for collectively. God says, I'm anointing my people to be who they are, to be called who they are. So, they, so we are an anointed people. Anointing, actually, I, I, the way I kind of term it, to hope it's not too frivolous, is like, has anybody had one of those desserts where they put sort of brandy over it and set fire to it? Yeah, Christmas pudding. Yeah, they're dangerous if you eat them the wrong moment, but... But there is something like when they go and they present it, sometimes other food, they kind of like, here's the food with all the ingredients and all the other things there. And then they, they are flambéed. And they bring it and it's flames all over it. Now, you see, I actually think anointing is like that. See, what makes us different from other communities is that God has flambéed us. He's gone like, yeah, all the ingredients are already there. All you, all you are who you are. The gifts are there. You're the kind of personality that you are. Now let's add factor X. Let's flambe you. Because that's actually what happened, if you like. David was a, was a good musician. He played his harp boom, 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 to the sheep. And he was good at it because they, they liked, I assume he did, you know. And anyway, they played his harp, boom, 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 you know. And then it says, and then he was anointed. And from that moment on, God was with him. He plays his harp now. And demons start coming out. You're going like, what's the difference? He's been flambéed. That's what's the difference. That fact X has come onto him. The thing of God, he's been anointed. And so what do we see on the day of Pentecost? God goes, here's my disciples, all prepared, all ready, all been taught, all prepared for what they're going to do. What does God do? Flambés them. Come on. Shoof. Flames coming on top, you know. It's like, and so I think there is something which we can, like, if not careful, we think so earthbound. And we go, like, actually, but, but there is something from heaven, divine favor in that, on his people. And we go, like, well, it doesn't always feel like that. 
doesn't always feel like that. Well, you're not the first to say that. David says that in a few of the Psalms. God, you don't feel like you're with me. doesn't feel like that. But it, nonetheless, the promise comes back. But I am. I am with you. I've called you by name. I've anointed you. I've flambéed you. The last thing I want to say of my 17 A points, but this is, this is one of the four, and I, is that I believe God has called us to be part of an apostolic community. Now, by this, I mean, you know, some of you are going to go, what, us? In Hatherley, an apostolic, you know, isn't an apostolic church a kind of a big church with lots of resources and so on? I go, yeah, you could say that. But I want to suggest that actually being part of an apostolic community is more a way of thinking, an attitude to how we see ourselves than it is to the actual activity that we're doing. And so I believe that an apostolic people are, apostolic people are people who look beyond themselves. Because even though the, there are many different styles of churches, some churches are really only interested in survival. They're really only interested in just like looking inwards, holding on and seeing how long they can hold on. And they're just kind of just very introverted. So I think even smaller churches can have an apostolic heart, which means actually whatever we're doing in our little kind of small corner, we're part of an apostolic call. We're part of something that is bigger. And I believe that's more just about capturing heart of God and carry it than it is to sort of try to put labels on things. Um, there's a famous, maybe apocryphal story, who knows, about uh, J.F. Kennedy, who'd obviously set up NASA with his one goal to put a man on the moon by the time the end of the decade, the 60s. And the story goes is that he's walking one day through NASA in, in, um, down a corridor with his entourage and he sees a couple of men painting. And he stops, stops everyone. He says, excuse me. He says, guys, you tell me, what are you doing? And they stood up and they said, sir, we're putting a man on the moon. And I think that kind of, you get that? Do you get that? <laughs> what, what they're doing, they could say, I'm painting. <laughs> That's what I'm doing. Painting a corridor. That's what I'm doing. Or we're trying to belt. No, what are we doing? We're putting a man on the moon. That's what I'm, so I'm painting a corridor here because we're putting a man on the moon. And I want us to sort of see something here. I'm plugging away doing something over here. I'm working with toddlers over there. Or I'm well, just helping some coffee situation over there. The real issue is what are we doing? We're actually called to bring God's kingdom here on earth. That's an apostolic call. That's what we're here for. And whatever that shape that takes, I believe God's called us to be an apostolic people. Sometimes think about, talk about Iska, possibly other churches here, and see, see you as a, a tugboat, is how I've kind of envisioned you, if you like. Um, and a tugboat is certainly not the biggest boat at all. Um, in fact, usually quite small. But they punch above their weight. Okay? They, are, they, they, they have enough power, if you like, or whatever within them, that they influence and they shape and they pull and they, they steer other things. And an apostolic people aren't necessarily the biggest, but they are influential. And I think God's called some of you here to say, well, actually our influence goes far further 
than perhaps our activity sometimes or what we think or our numbers. And I think some of you need to lift your heads up a bit and go, actually, God's called us to be an apostolic people in the sense of influencers and those who are called in that way. That's a church for our times. <laughs> this is, I mean, there's so much more could be said, but I think God wants us to be authentic. <laughs> he loves to be adaptable. He's called us as his anointed ones, chosen, holy people. And I believe he's called us to be an apostolic people, called into his great calling, his great uh, purpose on this earth at this time. Is that okay? Is that an amen to that? You feel that so? Okay. Okay. Let me just pray, can I? Lord, I thank you today. Lord, because um, out of all that I've said, Lord, that little thing that resonated so much with me, you said, I'm with you. And I pray for Hatherley, Lord, at this time. Lord, uh, just declare over them. I am with you, says the Lord. I am with you over Iska in these days. I have called you by name. I am with you. And over Exmouth, Lord, we just say, Lord, I am with you. I will be with you right through. And uh, Lord, we want to just open our hearts today to receive that, to receive it into ourselves. Thank you that you've called us to be um, relevant and open, to be adaptable. Thank you that you've called us to be real people, the ones that we, we don't have to pretend or put on artificial things. You've called us to be the real deal. And I thank you, Lord, that you've given us this great sense of purpose and mission that we can all join in with. Lord, we love you. You love us as your church. We love you. And we just say we commit our lives afresh to you again. In Jesus' name. Amen.